This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Cruise Control. That's the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury, and as usual, I'm joined by my two friends. Ali Johan, of course. Say hello, Ali. Good evening, good evening. And Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody. Hello, Richard. Hello, Ali. And uh, thank you for having me again on the show. Absolute pleasure, as ever. And as ever, we have a show in three parts with some slight differences today. We've got some interesting news up at the top and then in parts two and three we're talking about DSF.my's Alliance Vehicles of the Year. Boys, you like that? Yeah, good. Okay, <laughs> Ali, kick us up then. What have we got in terms of uh, local news then? Right, let's start off with some local headlines. First and foremost, China's Cherry are set to come to Malaysia this month. And uh, this is after months of testing their fleet of vehicles on our roads. Now, Cherry have finally confirmed that two of their latest models are going to be available in the Malaysian market. Uh, they have recently been shipped from China and are expected to arrive in Malaysia in the next couple of weeks. And there are two models here, Daniel. Uh, the Omoda 5 and also the Cherry Tigo 8 Pro SUV. Well, okay, to start off with, when Cherry first uh, showcased their cars last year to the media and uh, to some uh, you know, potential dealers and everything else, they had actually five vehicles on display, five models, all SUVs. Mm. And then we thought maybe you know, at least three or four of them would be coming straight away. But now what they've told us is they are going to hit hard on two SUV segments, which I'm actually quite surprised that you know, they're taking a very bold move. Um, one would be the Amoda 5, O-M-O-D-A 5. Very unusual name. Um, this is a compact SUV. The target actually is the Proton X50. So this Amoda 5 will be priced very close. Of course, they can't get the same kind of pricing that Proton has because they are a national car. But there's an indicated price of about 108,000 ringgit upwards. Now, why I say upwards, there'll be two variants. So you're looking at maybe about 108 to about 118,000, which is slightly above the X50. But with Cherry being a whole new uh, brand in Malaysia, whole new product range. The Omoda looking very attractive. You guys can see the picture. You can go to yeah. DSF and you can see the picture. I think it will sell very well. And my fears of it not selling or you know worrying about it doing really well is actually nothing to worry about simply because they did a road show a couple of months ago. Up to last week, they already got quite a number of bookings from people who did not even test drive the car, just touch and feel the car without even a real price confirmation, bookings are coming in. So I think the Moda 5 will do very well simply because it's a very good looking vehicle and it's got a very interesting powertrain. Uh -huh. So the second model, which is the Tigo 8 Pro. A Moda 5 is X50, Tigo 8 Pro X90, hitting right at the brand new Proton in the market, the X90. The Tigo 8 Pro is a seven seater. It's a large SUV. It's about the size of the Mazda CX-7 um, mm -hmm. also. It's a handsome looking vehicle, as you can see from the pictures. Good powertrain. Two variants also. My guesstimate, 160,000 ringgit. Again, slightly more than the Proton X90 because of the price uh, in terms of you know national car and non-national car. But they're getting quite healthy bookings on this vehicle also. Mm. Cherry is such a big company. They've been around for such a long time. They've been doing very well in uh, South America, 
East Asia. They've been doing very well in Africa. So, you know, they can actually take a little bit of a, of a profit slash just to make a point in Malaysia, you know. Hmm. All right. Okay. Two brand new models by Sherry set to enter the Malaysian markets. And now moving on to uh, the next company in the news, Mitsubishi Motors Malaysia, the official distributor of Mitsubishi vehicles over here, has officially launched the Max Certified program today. And Max Certified is a used car program offering a more seamless experience for you to buy pre-owned Mitsubishi cars. So this effectively removes the hassle of going through a middleman or a or a, a Second-hand car dealer, then, mm. Yes. So you see, as as you as you probably noticed in the last couple of years, a number of brands, actually mostly the the premium brands, have started setting up their own used car division. Um, the first uh, to actually start was um, uh, Volvo in terms of Select, because Volvo Select is a global brand. Then, of course, you know you got some of the other brands doing it quietly. Some of them, the dealers themselves, are taking on this this progress. Like Sam Darby has got auto selection, which they take all the brands under their their group, and then they're doing their own uh, used car business. This way, you control the price of the vehicles, you control the market depreciation. You know, mm. because used car dealers in the past, they will try and look at certain brands and say, hey, you know, whether the brand is good or not, they'll say, oh, I think this is a soft brand. I've decided to price it low, and then I'll only offer low price, and then right. they sell at a high price. Yeah, you see, that means they're making more margin on certain brands. They make Less margins on super popular brands. Then, of course, we have Perdua, which came out with their POV some years ago. But Perdua did it because they control the whole market, you know. And they thought if people are coming in to buy new Perduas, most of them are actually selling their older Perduas. So mm-hmm. it does. It just makes sense for them to take in these cars. They have the workshops. They have the manpower. They have the spare parts. Just spruce up these cars and then put it up for sale. Make a bit of money. That's business sense. So now Mitsubishi has seen this this trend. It helps with their used car values. You know, Mitsubishi is not has got a big portfolio of vehicles. I mean, right now they've got the Outlander, not selling that well because it's slightly older model. Triton is still selling very well, and then of course they got the Expander, which is doing phenomenally well. You know, it's surprising how many people, especially in certain areas around Malaysia, that love this this family vehicle. Now they've got other models coming in very soon, but before that comes in, I think they've said, okay, we want our customers to come in and trading back with us. Instead of giving to the used car leader to let them manage it, we, we show our dealers how to make this a nice revolving business and bring in extra money. Smart. And now with Pushpa.com online and you can get them to come to your dealership, they've got the mobile service, which they've had for some time. You've got, you know, JPJ online, it's easy to work with them. So let's do this. Mm-hmm. Really cool. So that's the Mitsubishi Max certified program. And, and you know, for more information, you can go check out the Mitsubishi Malaysia website. They make it very easy, no strings attached. And, you know, uh, what they're doing is actually basically telling people who own Mitsubishis, uh, if you're coming to buy another Mitsubishi, let us do the business for you because you're going to get a slightly better value. And if you're looking to buy a used Mitsubishi, at least when you go to one of their dealers, you know you're going to get a car that's already been checked, certified, it's flood free, mm-hmm. it's got all the, you know, the wear and test sorted out. You know, it's it's a worry-free experience. Still on Mitsubishi, they're in the headlines a lot this week. Now we're looking across the straits to Indonesia as Mitsubishi over there are preparing to reveal an all-new SUV at the upcoming Indonesia International Motor Show in August. They still haven't announced the name of the model, Daniel, but what do you think it could be? Well, it's a vehicle that's going to be smaller than the ASX. So what I think Mitsubishi is doing is they've got, this is going to be what I, what I say, an ASEAN car. ASEAN car meaning like, you know, like, Honda has just revealed in Thailand the WRV, the ASEAN car. 
It's a small little compact crossover. It's more a crossover than an SUV. It's smaller than the Corolla Cross. It's smaller than the HRV. And you know, Toyota has got the Yaris Cross, okay? And it's doing quite well in all these markets. So I think Mitsubishi says, hey, there's a, there's a market for smaller crossovers. People want this, people, people need it. It <laughs> makes a lot of sense to get these small little crossovers. And you know, they're they are easier to maintain, easier to, to live with. Hmm. So Mitsubishi is obviously going to come up with a brand new model. They've not given it a name, but it's got a, it's got a show name. It's called the XFC concept. From the pictures of the concept vehicle, it looks like another, you know, in-your-face Mitsubishi design, which will, will last quite a long time. Mitsubishi know how to do this design work. In terms of engine and drivetrain, I have no idea. I'm thinking something simple, petrol-driven, maybe later on a plug-in hybrid, but I don't think it's going to be all-electric because Mitsubishi is not going to give an all-electric platform for this region right now because it just doesn't make economic sense at the moment. Mm. Now then. The final piece of news. Final Come on, Daniel. News, yeah. Let's see how many jokes I'm going to get about being English. And <laughs> let, let's, let's just hear. I'm waiting for now, this. Now, two legendary brands, Jaguar mm-hmm. and Land Rover. They were at one time British brands. Mm-hmm. And like many legendary British brands, they were bought over by foreign people. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about Jaguar and Land Rover being bought over many years ago by Tata. So yeah, now yeah. Tata has decided they're not going to use Jaguar and Land Rover. They're going to combine both and just call them JLR. I don't now know what, how I feel. How does that make you feel? If, honestly, it, it feels like they're going to be promoting some kind of K-pop band. You know? <laughs> <laughs> not because it's English or whatever. You right. know, it, it's because those brand names are iconic. You know? Mm-hmm. And just moving it away from something to JLR doesn't have the same impact for me okay. anyway. Okay. For me, I think that they're making a big mistake. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think they should have left it as Jaguar and Land Rover. Okay, you, you, you can put the JLR badge or you can come up with a new logo or whatever, but you must still put Jaguar, Land Rover because mm. Land Rover is so iconic. It's global brand. Jaguar, same thing. You know, you go anywhere in the world you, from a small kid to a retired gentleman or, or lady, they know Jaguar and they know Land Rover. And now you're telling them yeah. JLR. A lot of these people get confused and say, what is this new brand? Is it, a, mm. is it an Indian mm. brand? It's like you're taking away all the Britishness about it. And yep. I think that whole exclusive premiumness will be lost by just combining both. But then... It's definitely the end of an era for both uh, these iconic British brands. Uh, I read that JLR cars are going to mainly focus on the next-gen electrified platforms for the brand. Um, you know, you already have the Jaguar I-Pace in the market and, and more coming, hopefully. So maybe JLRs are just going to make EVs. Mm. Daniel? Actually, what Ali's saying, okay, makes a bit of sense because they, they could have just had JLR as a brand for their EV segment yeah. and leave Jaguar and Land Rover for their plug-in hybrids and their hybrids and their petrol or diesel vehicles. Mm. But, you know, why you want to do this? Because everybody that's going through electrification, they're still keeping their brand identity. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's unchanged, yeah. I'm talking about traditional brands. They also came out in a statement saying they're going to be spending US 18.6 billion ringgit on this whole strategy. Rebranding? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's hmm. a lot of money. I mean, can you imagine all the showrooms have to be renamed, you know, all the badges, yeah. all the 
all the you know name cards and addresses. Stationery, carpets, <laughs> fixtures, <laughs> fittings. Exactly, exactly. I'm just imagining, you know, English car dealers for Jaguar and Range Rover hearing this and just rolling their eyes over their cup of tea. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, uh, I, I guess on that news, uh, we should take a break. Folks, you tune into Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. Of course, when we do come back, we're launching into DSF.my's Alliance Vehicles of the Year. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury, of course. I'm with Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez. He's the fellow behind DSF.my. And as you may well know, they have this thing where they do the Alliance Vehicle of the Year. What have we got this year? Interesting list this year, is it, Daniel? Yes, very interesting list. Because this year, we actually had to open up a whole new electric car segment. Oh, yes. Okay. I mean, in the previous years, we had maybe one or two or three electric cars. But this year, we actually test drove 16 electric cars. How do you go about grading these vehicles then? Okay. There are three judges. We used to have four, but one has left because we kicked him out. No, actually, no. He left for (laughs) for good reason. Uh, We have three judges. All three judges must test drive any vehicle that's going to be judged. You cannot be test driven by two two judges. Okay. Because then the grading won't work. The, yeah. the the test drive doesn't have to be over one year or, or even one week or even three days. Even one day is fine. But they must get behind the wheel of the vehicle. They must have a little bit of you know time to understand what the vehicle is all about. And if possible, they must also test drive the vehicle, if possible, on a rainy day. Oh. Uh, and I'll explain in a little while why. So all these criteria are given to the judges. The judges have been with the team for the last eight, nine, ten years. I've been doing this for 14 years. So uh, Allianz has been my partner for 14 years in this whole program. The reason why they trust this program is because we do not sell the awards. Number one, we do not sell the awards. Number two, the trophies are given for free. Number three, the event dinner is absolutely for free for all the car companies attending. Mm. And the most important thing is after that, they can use the event logo and the trophies without paying us a fee. Well, aren't you very nice? Mm. Because everything is sponsored by Allianz General Insurance. Okay. They want a very transparent and honest award system. So, until the day of the event, even Allianz doesn't know who has won. Only mm. the three judges and our trophy maker. Also, for this year, we had to we had to do some changes to the to the classification of vehicles because why? Now. Over the last um, 12 months, most of the electric vehicles that were launched, except one or two, were, were actually tagged as SUVs or crossovers. Now, the thing is, everybody likes to use this word SUV, crossover, SUV, crossover, because the moment the car is slightly raised with big wheels, they say SUV or crossover. Because why? That is what the consumers want. Right. But we know for a fact that some of these are just cars sitting on a I mean, sitting on a car platform, it's not going off-road. It doesn't have an off-road gear system. It's just using bigger wheels because a lot of electric vehicles are heavy and they need bigger wheels. And mm-hmm. they're not really SUVs. They're not even crossovers, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we had to reclassify because if we said, okay, we'll accept what you give us, then we'll only be giving out one or two awards. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, so we have to d- define what's an SUV, what's a car, what's a crossover, what's a performance SUV, and what's a performance car. Things like that. Okay. Oh, what a headache! A real headache. So before we did our judging, we explained to some of the car companies. Some of them nodded in agreement. Some of them shook their head and just kept quiet. Some of them <laughs> are not too happy because they like the classification because when they win, they want to announce it. They want to promote it. They say, oh, you know, we won SUV of the year, but then actually they won car of the year, you know? Mm. Okay. So, yeah. you now judging, we make sure that all the judges, like I said, test drive in the rain. Now, in the rain, it's, it's also because a little bit for handling, but it's also because of noise insulation because a lot of cars these days are, are reducing their noise insulation. Mm. So, when it rains, the roof is so noisy, the cabin feels like you're having a rock concert in it. <laughs> So we, we try and have it, but you know, not we, we can't we can't have this all the time. All right then. So okay. uh, we're starting with electric performance car of the year, are we? Yes, yes. So okay. electric performance car of the year. There were a couple of contenders, some coming from Germany, and then one came from the UK. And the winning electric performance car of the year had the best handling, the best power delivery, and it also looked, you know, looks is very important. So it also looked very awesome. The Jaguar I Pace electric car. Beautiful looking car. Beautiful looking car. You know, a lot of people are underestimating its its uh, its uh, handling and and power delivery. You got to get behind the wheel. It just blew us away. All three judges immediately agreed this was a winning car. Yes, I like it. I agree. <laughs> I <Okay>. agree. <laughs> next, what else have we got? So next, we had electric SUV of the year. Proper SUV sitting up high. Yeah. You know, proper platform for for going off road. If you want to go off road, has mm-hmm. to be fully electric. And you know, earlier we had another variant which was partial electric. Then we had a hybrid version and everything else. Now comes full electric. The Volvo C40 Recharge. There were some um, rivals coming from Germany again, uh, mm-hmm. but again, you know. Nobody really questioned it when we said, oh, "Put your hands up for C40." Everyone said, "Yes, hands up for C40." Right, very attractive looking vehicle. Now, um, electric luxury sedan of the year. Oh, th- this okay. could have been difficult, I'd imagine. Okay, this was a bit tricky because most of the electric cars are sedans. Okay? Yeah. So, and then a lot of them are also very fast, uh, very accommodating in terms of luxury amenities, mm. features, mm. Uh, technology. But we also had to look at driving distance, okay? Mm-hmm. With an electric car, you also have to look at driving distance. You also have to look at, you know, how, how far the brand has gone to deliver uh, a reliable product because electric cars need to be as reliable as possible because it's mm. new technology. There are mm. still little quirks and issues coming up here and there. So the one car that stood out, again, with all three judges, no question, because it was fast, it drove the distance, it looked good. When you looked at the pricing, it's not as expensive as some of its rivals. The Mercedes-Benz EQE 350+. Plus. I love the way this thing looks. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people would have thought the EQS, which is the bigger version of the EQE, mm. which is like the S-Class version, would be the winner. But we thought the EQE brought the right kind of balance. And in terms of space, okay, it's slightly smaller than the bigger EQS, but... It's big enough even for you to sit at the back while someone else like your size is, is sitting in front and driving, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. okay, next up then. Okay, electric crossover of the year. Now, this was one of the few that gave us a bit of a problem because it's sold as an SUV. It's marketed as an SUV. But in theory, it's basically a high-riding hatchback, you know? Right. 
So it's not really an SUV because it's not sitting that high up, but the roof line is high. So if the roof line is high, it doesn't make you an SUV. It doesn't make you, you know, something that's supposed to go off-road. So electric crossover of the year. This one, we had to have a little bit of a debate. Two of us thought it was a clear winner. One of us thought we should, you know, look at another rival. But mm. we gave it to the BYD Atto 3. Okay, okay. I guess overall electric car of the year would have uh, gone to... This is a tough one, Daniel. Yes, overall electric car of the year. To pick this one, you have to be very, very careful. Because why? It's got to give you driving distance. Yeah. But it's also got to give you the price. The price has to be right. Because this is something which you, you, you want to reach out to more people. It can't be super luxurious, you know. Mm, mm. It, can't be, it can't be very expensive to maintain. And it should come with enough attractiveness to cater to male, female, young, old. Okay, yeah. Or a good cat. Really? Yep. Wow. Because it looks like an extended beetle. <laughs> yeah. It's good looking. It is good looking, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you, you spot it on the road, you immediately know what it is. You don't have to guess it, you know? Mm-mm. So we're going from, uh, you know, vehicles that could potentially save the earth um, mm. to something a little different. The pickup truck of the year. Uh, pickup truck of the year. Uh. This wasn't very tough to decide. Not tough to decide at all. I'll tell you why. Because this truck came into the market with a SUV-like cabin, number one. Number two, very handsome looks. I mean, you know, I, I've not heard anything negative about its looks since it came. Plus, yeah. at its launch, they introduced more than 20 interesting new pickup truck features. When I say pickup truck features, I'm talking about, you know, like the tailgate, how to get on the, on the rear cargo area. There's a little sidestep, which no pickup truck has before this. Infotainment system is like what you find in, you know, expensive electric cars. Mm. Uh, more comfortable seating, um, safety features. It's a lot of things to talk about. So this went to the Ford Ranger Wild Track. Yeah, not surprising. Okay, folks, uh, we are, in fact, going to take a short break here. Uh, and when we come back, of course, we've got the top nine coming up after these messages. We've got stuff like a compact car, hybrid car, SUV, and, of course, the all-important vehicle of the year, 2023. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control Car Show on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury, and of course, Ali Johan is here with me, as well as Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. If you're only just joining us, we are running through DSF.my's Alliance Vehicles of the Year. So far, we've gone from number 16 to number 10. That's not necessarily any kind of order, though, because we've had Electric Performance Car of the Year, Electric SUV of the Year, Electric Luxury Sedan, a whole bunch of stuff. But now, we're starting off here with one of the important ones, of course, uh, being on the road here in Malaysia, is Compact Car of the Year. What have we got up for this? Yeah, Compact Car of the Year has to be something popular, has to be something small, of course, has to be something that, you know, people want to own, people think about it and say, hey, I want this car. Yeah. Um, and it's not something, let's be frank, it's not something that you get a poster, put on your wall, and then you, you, you know, before you sleep every night, you look at it and say, one day I'm going to own it. <laughs> you know? Because it's mobility. It's, yeah, it's yeah. what I call cheap and cheerful. And cheap Often and cheerful. somebody's first car as well. Exactly. And yeah. cheap and cheerful, without a doubt, was the brand new Perdua Asia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Okay. I don't think we need to linger too long on that one, do we? Yes, yes, yes. Now then, uh, hybrid of the year then. Uh, now, again, this could have been had, quite competitive. Yes, we had a few hybrids. Of course, all of them coming in from Japan in terms of this segment. Now, um, the, the Germans had some hybrids, but, you know, they were actually moving towards electrification. So they mm. all, again, you know, nothing, nothing too complicated. But one car company stood out with a completely different hybrid system. They re-engineered the hybrid. You know, they made, they made the whole system completely new. They, they, they decided, oh, we'll change everything. Not just one thing, change everything. But it's still a hybrid. It's not a plug-in. You start it like a normal car. You got a petrol engine. You got a battery system that works. The, the petrol engine actually works more like a generator for the battery system. Right. So you can drive the distance. Plus, you're using a brand new two-liter engine to make sure you got enough power to do all the long-distance drive. So the car that took the award was the Honda Civic EHEV RS. Okay. All right, then. So we've had our... Um uh, electric SUV of the year. What is the other SUV of the year? Okay, normal SUV of the year. They've got two versions: a petrol and a diesel. Now, the the fight came down to two vehicles: one from from uh, from America, another mm -hmm. one from Korea. Mm. There were only two fighting, and it was a strong fight because this time three of us were not in complete agreement. We had two guys who wanted two different brands. One guy was sitting on the fence and I had to smack the guy on the fence and say, come on, we need, we need to make a decision here. Because both are large, both are proper SUVs. I mean, they have four-wheel drive systems. Both have fantastic safety equipment, fantastic interiors. They have, they're not premium in terms of brands, yet they have very premium interiors. I'm talking about leather, thick pile carpeting, uh, soft touch panels, padded dashboards, everything. Both had a strong fight but finally one person caved in and the winner is the Kia Sorento 2.5 liter wow How, what did it take to uh, get that fella to jump off the fence then I, I told him I said you, you're going to lose your bonus <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> no we, 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 we took a piece of paper we drew a line in the center we put two vehicles we put the pros and cons and then we started nailing down everything little by little you know Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So you know, it, it always comes down to little little features that suddenly you know when when you present this to your to your team, suddenly one person will wake up and say, "Oh yes, I forgot about that." You know that kind of thing. Mm. All right. Um, so from normal SUVs to luxury SUVs, you know oh. the, the creme de la creme, the expensive yes. things that we see being parked by jockeys charging us twenty five ringgit to park it somewhere. What is this one? You see. I don't go to jockeys because I can't afford them. So the fact that you say money. 25 ringgit, <laughs> that means you've been using them regularly and don't try and get out of it, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, luxury SUV of the year. We had three contenders, three contenders. Now, I will be very honest because we are on air, we are BFM, this is an honest radio station. It was a clear win for this brand simply because the other two did not give us a test drive. Oh, okay. Now, okay. If if the other two had given us a test drive, then it'll be a hot debate. This might have still won because it was very, very impressive. But the other two failed to give us a test drive. And the problem is, when you talk about luxury SUV, these cars already sell by themselves. Yeah. You know, you you don't need to. These brands, even the the current winner, they don't advertise. They don't put up billboards. They don't have road shows because why? 
the customers know what they want the customers come in and they buy them you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and they don't they don't even look at the price mm. they just say i want this color this interior this you know they spec the car out and then they see the final price and they just they just like burp out the the the, the deposit you know yeah so luxury suv of the year went to the range rover the brand new range rover which is costing almost 2 million ringgit it is beautiful though it is very beautiful and it's so luxurious inside yeah oh okay well i i, I, I guess i'm happy about that until they change the name of course um, but anyway, moving swiftly along uh, back down to basics and I, i guess you know and uh, everybody's got to get around here especially when you've got a family you want to be yes. able to pack as many people as you can in the back and move around and do your shopping and your groceries and pick them up from school family sedan of the year what family do we have sedan here? of the year will never be driven by a car jockey charging 25 ringgit that's true <laughs> <laughs> because this is a car for the average person this is a car that maybe the person who had the compact car of the year wants to upgrade because he's he's got an extra person in his family or maybe mm-hmm. he just got a little bit of a raise and he says i want to move up the social ladder a little bit maybe maybe one day i'll have a car jockey come and drive it for me you know mm-hmm. this was the brand new toyota vios okay i i could see that i could yeah. see that you know just below 100000 ringgit family yeah. car very decent size boot good safety features mm. interior comfort enough for five easy you know now okay let's get expensive yes Let, let's talk real money right you know let's look at stuff like performance luxury suv see even the words drip off the tongue right yes what so, do we have so this segment is very crowded right <laughs> very crowded because all the luxury brands have a performance luxury suv all every single luxury brand and from all around the world i'm talking about japanese korean german french you know british they all have it italian they all have it they all have a performance luxury suv petrol driven whether it's mild hybrid or not but petrol driven and all of them are in around about the same price range huh. now we we got to drive nearly all the contenders nearly all i think there was only one or two that were left out i think it even came to a point where you know like two of us drove and then one didn't drive most of them were driven by all three of us first we have the word luxury yeah we look at the word yep. luxury it has to have all the luxury appointments the interior you know in terms of leather seat padding touch yeah. and feel points you know yeah driving comfort sound insulation that means when it rains you don't hear a rock concert in your rooftop you know that kind of thing then you must have performance this is a segment where people actually want to go fast people actually want to accelerate people are actually coming from driving a hot hatch and thinking i want an suv that can deliver the same kind of performance maybe not identical handling as a hot hatch but near enough okay okay and so performance luxury suv of the year went to maserati grecale ah. gt <laughs> of course it did <laughs> okay okay obviously we're into the two final uh, pieces uh, for today uh, and for the actual list crossover of the year then where do we go with that Okay, crossover the year standard like for the electric version. This is a petrol driven version. Has to be something that's you know a proper crossover. That means it actually got to sit a little bit higher. It's got to have large wheels. It's got to have proper ground clearance. At the same time, it's got to be something that looks good, drives well, good safety features, good cabin entertainment features. Because this is a very wide market. There's a huge population in Malaysia that buys crossovers. I think the crossover segment is getting too large. The buyer market is getting too large. Sometimes I ask these people, "Why don't you just buy a sedan?" They say, "No, I want a crossover." It's become a trend. 
to drive crossovers. So without a doubt, the Honda HRV Turbo. Wow. Okay. I guess um, here we are now then at the top of the table. Vehicle of the Year 2023. This uh, is the most important award. Yeah. Do we need a drum roll? Ali, can you do us a drum roll? <laughs> <laughs> the Vehicle of the Year 2023 has to fill uh, some very important criteria. Price is not one of them. Okay. A mm. lot of people think it has to be price. Now, when we talk about price, we already have Compact Car of the Year. We already have Family Student of the Year. But Vehicle of the Year can be something expensive, can be something also reasonably priced. But very important is it's got to be something that ticks a lot of other boxes like, you know, it's, it's just versatile, family friendly. It's just something that everyone is talking about. You know, it's, it's a car that you can even see in a luxury uh, condominium, you know. Mm, it's, mm. it's a car that you can even see a rich family having as their fourth or fifth vehicle. It's a car that is accepted by almost the mass, you know. Okay. You know, you might you might even see a minister using this car when his when his luxury car breaks down. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So vehicle of the year because of its safety features, versatility. Uh, the price was also quite important because we were actually surprised at how how well the price of the vehicle was. Plus, it had a really decent engine and um, uh, infotainment system. This was the all new Perdua Alza. Ha. Huh. Okay. Ali, do you agree with that? Considering its other contenders, I think yes. I'm going to share the, 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 com- the competitor for this, which is quite funny because when we were sitting down and having the debate, some of us, I mean, one or two of the judges, I'll say, like, you know, two judges were basically saying, why not the Toyota Veloz? Hmm. Now, the Perdua Alza and Toyota Veloz are very direct siblings, Okay. They actually come out of the same factory. They have the same engine, same features. They only have certain slight differences like wheel size, uh, the bumper design, the lights, the grill, you know, small things. But almost 95% of the vehicle is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But with a 20, sorry, not 20, 18,000 ringgit price difference, it just makes more sense to give it to the Alza. Okay. 18,000 ringgit in this segment is a lot of money. Okay then. Yeah. I, I guess that's where we are. We've done it all the way through. And, and if people want to uh, disagree with you on some of these things, who should they address the email to? Well, they can address the email to me, www.me.com. <laughs> <laughs> now they can come to our Facebook page or, or our website. We have all the contact information there. They can come and talk to us. They can come and... I mean, there were, there were some people already upset with us, you know, because there will never be complete winners in this, right? Right, right. So right. some of them said, oh, how come X, XYZ won and, you know... Uh, we didn't win. I said, well, I gave them my reasons. And then, you know, they sort of, you know, shrugged their shoulders and walked away. Because at, at our event, everybody's there. Nobody mm. knows who's going to win. Nobody knows who's going to not win, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so everybody's mm-hmm. there. So some people walk away with a trophy. Some people walk away with a full stomach and some drinks. But they walk away with a smile. Well, until the car park. Until the car park, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it then, folks. If you missed any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. Uh, we recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Uh, if you missed the show, though, we were talking about Sherry coming to Malaysia this month, the Mitsubishi Max Certified, uh, the Mitsubishi Compact SUV, JLR. I'll leave you with that. And, of course, it was the DSF.my, Allianz Vehicles of the Year show. For Cruise Control, and on behalf of Ali Johan, myself, and Daniel Fernandez, this has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9.
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.